Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to All Things Division 3 Soccer with Simple Coach and Jackie. I, as you may or may not know, am a Simple Coach, and that there, as I'm sure you know, is Jackie, sleeping away. So before I get into this episode of Injured Time on Pay to Play, um, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. The bunch of folks have asked how they could help support the channel, so I just created this, I guess, a Patreon patron Patreon page um, where you could um, subscribe. Um, I have I'll plan on doing special things for for those of you. I just again, it was just sort of quick um, setup. So. Below, you can find it, all things Division Three soccer. Um, any support you can give would be great. Um, I have plans to, you know, do a bunch of different things, so any, any, any help you could offer is greatly appreciated. So, <clears throat> now on to the main topic. All right, so, um, yes, it's a new episode of Injured Time, and yes, I have decided to do or you all have decided to have me do an episode on the dreaded pay-to-play system here in the U.S. Um, it's probably something I have been actively thinking about probably for the last 12 years um, largely because of my own simple players participating in club soccer um for a very competitive elite super great club um which costs a lot and um you know got costlier as simple player number two one joined and then simple player number two and then now simple player number three who's part of part of that club and um yeah so i i mean i'm probably like many of you the prime example of how it hurts how the pay-to-play model hurts um I, I know it every year so um i i would i would chalk up my experience to writing the checks um but i i will say that the topic has me torn a bit um you know it, it I don't begrudge people for making a living. I don't begrudge people charging for services, no matter what they are. Like if if somebody's willing to pay, they're willing to pay. And um, do I think there's a lot of structural issues around club soccer that might be more worthy of attention rather than thinking about how 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 it's paid for? Um, yeah, because I, uh, honestly, I don't see any changes coming down or the ability to, to change the current uh, structure. So with that, let's, let's jump right into it. Okay. As, as I've been doing in the last episodes of injured time for the most part, except for my, um, women's world cup ones, um, I put a poll out on Twitter and you all chose, the dreaded pay to play. So, um, you know, that, that topic had the, had the most votes, sadly, 
but if you if you're here you're watching you don't know what pay to play is um you're either you know your wi-fi in the cave that you live in or on the in a remote um off the grid cabin in alaska um this is sort of what i what i dug dug up um you know just very broadly it's a it's you know having to pay for your player to play on a team um um, and that there's some sort of fee or fees or however it's structured um basically you got to shell out cash for your for your kid to play but according to the to braves my the browser of choice um summarizer this is what i got the pay-to-play soccer system in the u.s requires players to pay a fee to play for a team that is competitive in nature i'm going to go on and Sort of the average cost of a year of soccer in the U.S. is one thousand four hundred and seventy-two. I wish, but elite clubs can cost over ten thousand dollars. Critics argue that the system excludes children from lower-income families, regardless of their talent. The system can refer to paying to join a team or league, or to pay or to pay for access to soccer facilities. The average cost of a year of soccer in the U.S. is $20,000, which is higher than the average cost of 1472 in European countries. Yeah, a lot, lot to unpack there. And, and again, I'm just taking numbers at face value. Like I, I, my, biggest, my biggest issue probably, and it'll come through, and, and I, I'll talk a little bit about a poll I did, is that I, I think it's almost like this... Uh, it's not a straw man, but this thing out there that people just sort of gravitate to, to explain in a simple form deficiencies that they see in the system, right? In, in club soccer, youth development, what have you. And, but fundamentally, I don't think we have the information necessary to draw those conclusions, right? Like the one I always say, like, well, if they're, if, Who's being left out of a pay-to-play system? And I'm I'm sure there's kids are. I don't. And I show data. Well, that may indicate as much. But you know, this is that population, that group of pl- players who can't play because of cost. I mean, is that the sole driver? Is it that they just don't want to play? I mean, there's a whole set stuff to unpack there. So I'm gonna, um, um, I'm gonna try to dive into a little bit of that and and sort of give you my interpretation of things again it's maybe a little i try to look at things a little differently just because i I find a lot of arguments these days are in the world of soccer to be unimaginative and sort of hard-coded so i try to break away from that but um you know I, i don't i'm not sure you know i think history is a valuable teacher here and I'm I'm not sure I have the history down as to when we started becoming this you know this big pay to play model. I would suspect it started in the, um, you know in the in the '90s. I'm guessing like where where I think you know there were people, players, coaches who started making a living or wanted to make a living doing soccer. So I think the first things you started to see were you know, soccer camps and how much money could be made there. Um, 
and then you had the advent of all the leagues and you know U.S. club soccer and you know um, ECNL and these different different organizations that try to amp up existing soccer structures and nationalize and regionalize things and you know teams to succeed started to invest more in getting full-time coaches and then the facilities started to amp up and it was it was important for clubs to have their own places to play and so and I think as you think about this the cost of running a club ended up sort of escalating escalating and how you know clubs do it they don't really raise money for the most part they may raise some and but the bulk of where they're going to get their money from is is having fees or dues that are paid to the club so i i think it's just a natural progression of it and then obviously at some point now we're just so professionalized in the soccer world you know again we where we are where where we are so um I'm sure I can get some disagreements, right? Like, and people say something different. But, but what what's interesting is I, I I really do think that I'll just say the eighty the the late eighties to the nineties is where U.S. soccer really came into its own. And I know the history of U.S. soccer going dating back Bethlehem Steel and way, way back. But I, I don't I don't think really soccer became a cultural issue or a cultural thing until that time frame and and you know again i think the youth soccer scene really drove that and then the mls and the world cups and sort of that started to and and dare i say access to games on tv just really started to amp that up um and so it, it's interesting i I've, i find the the discussion of pay to play as like discussing original sin if you're into faith and things like that right like um it's like the first thing that was done that was bad and it sort of corrupted the system um since and so to discuss pay to play you, you have to talk about original sin and how do you how do you go back and unwind that you can't right like it's just i just think it's the 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 nature of 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 the beast you know and and and, and i think the worst worst thing we do is compare our pay to play the system to obviously the great soccer powers and how they develop players and and without understanding there's a completely different way in which youth soccer developed and how this all came about and why why there isn't necessarily a pay-to-play system or why they have the fields and the facilities and, and that sort of thing that we just never had and so we had to build and that costs money and so um you know for so for this injured time for this episode um i I'm going to break it into a bunch of different segments, and some of it might be rambling, but um, it makes complete sense in my own head. Um, but I do think it's um, um, informative, and I, I just don't think it talks about some of the things when we discuss pay-to-play. So um, 
I, I think first I'm going to talk about just sort of the overall commitment a player makes from a financial standpoint and the burden they have to bear. And I'll give you a real life example, my own, you know, to show you numbers from a few years ago where I watch it and it's only gotten worse. So, you know, um, or more severe. Then I do want to talk about covering the cost of a club, right? That's, that's not insubstantial. Um, and then I'll sort of talk about a little bit on a macro level, um, you know, what, what that looked like. And, and then maybe at the end, I'll just sort of talk about again, where, where we are. I mean, how, how do I think we make it better? Uh, or, or how do we lessen the financial burden? And I have, I have some distinct ideas about that. But again, it's these are ideas of my own. So, um, so so let's 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 jump into uh, into the first part where what's the financial commitment or the financial burdens of a, of a player. So so that it's not confusing or it probably is, but it's not. Um, um, I'm not forgetting things and, and I'm laying it out as best I can. Let's, when it comes to pay, the pay part of pay to play, let's stipulate some of the realities in soccer and, and probably, dare I say, in youth, youth sports in general, right? Because, hey, if soccer's too expensive, go play basketball, right? Or, baseball or like there's an increasing professionalization of those youth sports and just because because of that right so um but the reality is that in in any of these sports you know the club fees is not your only expense right you might be paying thousand dollars a year but there's a ton of other costs that come with it right like the obvious ones game uniforms training gear cleats, travel expenses, tournament expenses, um, you know, fundraising commitments, right? Like, hey, you're, you're obligated to raise $100 per player in our latest donut sale. And so, right, do you kick in the $100 or you actually go, find, you, you get my point. But so, you know, the, Right. So there's there's a bunch of components to it. And, and I was trying to think about, hey, real life examples and how could I get real life examples? And, and the truth is, is I've been dealing with this, like I mentioned, for 12 years. So it's just interestingly enough, in 2018, I actually did an exercise where I tracked all of the my expenses um, for for the simple players, right? The three simple players that I have that were playing at the, at that club at the same time. Um, and, you know, just to give you some perspective at that time, you're looking at, a, probably a U 16, a U 13, and maybe like a U nine. I'm going to guess. No, probably like a U 10. So like those three, categories um um all right so i'm just sharing my screen here um for you because 
to, to show you the expenses that I tracked. Now, keep in mind, I think this is a low estimate because there's a lot of stuff I didn't really include. And I just sort of, um, you know, as things would happen. And then I, again, as I was done, I was guesstimating and taught in 2018, conservatively, I spent $22,244 on the three simple players, number one, two, and three to, to play soccer. Um, so let's just, you know, you could look on the left here. I think my arrow should be working for you. Uh, right here, like right on this. This is simple player number one who just so happens to be my oldest. So tuition was $3,100 for for the year, All right? Um, that year he did some ODP training, which was $200. I guesstimated there were 10 travel games in, in a given year. So I was like, you know, between gas and food, and I was like, ah, oh, it'll just be like a hundred bucks, or, you know, you know, one hundred and ten dollars per. So I just put, you know, per trip, um, and because we go right, we don't go to. We might have a game in Jersey, but then we all, we would also have a game in Maryland or Connecticut, and so we're driving all over the place. So, um, um, there he played middle school soccer. Um, for a hundred bucks, um, there was a tryout fee. There were cleats. There were uniforms. Um, I mean, it was a great experience. But we spent an entire week in Huntington, West Virginia, for the regionals, for like the entire week. Like it was one game a day. Um, you know, um, and you stayed in the hotel. Like, and we were in a hotel. And look, love Huntington. I think it's a great little town but when you're sort of like a tourist there's not a whole heck of a lot to do after to do after the first day then it's just you know so many so many painted pictures uh painted little cabooses that you can you can see because they have these train it's like you know you can see the painted cows i don't know if any if you're familiar with that but there they have trains that are like this big steel and they're painted in different mosaics and stuff like that it was actually pretty cool but so many you can see right um so i estimated that was two grand right there we went to dallas um which was fun as well but that's costly um and then we did another tournament lo relatively local there was some group training indoor and then we did another tournament and then again that was just maybe an overnight, which probably tells me that was somewhere in PA, right? Um, and that was 11,000. That was the bulk of it, right? Because he was the, again, he was this probably like you 15 ish, maybe 14. So it's on the younger side and on the older side, I know that I def, they definitely traveled as he got older. Um, simple player number two, same exercise, did a beach tournament for him. His tuition, ODP uniforms, um, group training, more tournaments, and then simple player number three. Uh, you could see here is tuition, you know, twenty five hundred 
um, speed travels. This was a little bit easier because, you know, he was, like I said, U9, U10, I can't remember. But he was on the younger side, so um, they didn't do nearly as much. And they were relatively local. They didn't travel to, you know, crazy places to play. So, uh, and again, I think this is conservative because I didn't, this was not like me every day, every time I spent a dime. So could you argue that I spent 30 grand in a year for soccer? Yeah. Like without a doubt, because like I said, this isn't an actual itemized list. I'd love, I wish in hindsight I would have done that, but not the case. So again, I am a case study of pay to play and how it hurts. And that that's that's a lot of money, no matter what. Like, and and we participated in it, and there's a number of reasons for it, right? And I'll get to some survey answers questions, but right, like, there's a competitiveness, quality of player. I mean, there's a whole slew of reasons why you would choose this over your local town team, right? Um, that. Again, it's it drives the competitive spirit a little bit more. It's not, um, um, it's a little bit more serious. You know, there's more training. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not justifying it right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the choice we made. And I and I will say that, you know, aside from rec basketball, which was the greatest thing ever. Um, for them, like they really didn't do much outside of soccer because who had time, right? So, um, so yeah, so that's it. So that's why you could see it takes me a while even to just get lights nowadays. <laughs> so that's all, this has all been reduced now. I bet you I'll spend 11 grand, 12, 15 grand on symbol player number three, who is now going to be a U16, I believe, right? Or, um, so um, I'm still going to be paying quite a bit of money here in the upcoming year. But um, so just wanted to give you a glimpse. You know, one of the other aspects of pay to play that we don't, you know, we only tend to look at the one side of the ledger, right, which is our ledger. Um, but we don't think about what the club expenses are. And so I just wanted to to, to break those out. And I, I do want to dismiss something. I think most clubs nowadays are 501c3s, right? So they're not-for-profit. So basically, whatever they take in, they dole out, right? And so, um, um, you know, they... they probably don't sit on huge piles of cash. It's basically cash flow management, I think, is where well, I'm not an accountant, but I think that's where the big play is here. So, um, you know, they uh, for the most part, and this is something I think at some point maybe some clubs will really broach and really do some serious fundraising development type activities where they raise bulks of money. Just it's a hard thing to do if it's just for an athletic cause, right? So, um, um, so I, I tried to come up with just some sort of generic, generic sort of club, right? I don't have access to books from anybody, so I'm just sort of I just sort of decided to to make this up as 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 sort of a generic club. So, taking it just as an example, a club with a hundred kids are paying two grand a 
a piece, assuming there's camps, a little bit of fundraising and sponsorships. Um, and so they make two, the club brings in $250,000 in revenue a year, you know, which would probably mean they probably have that much in expenses, right? If 250 is going in, they're not for profit. 250 is going out to one, to one degree or another. Um, and I'm just saying like, this is just a simplistic view of, of how, how a club operates. It's not that simple. Um, but let, let's just stick with that for, for argument's sake. And, and, and if you, if you think about the, the expenses that the club has, some of it's obvious field rentals, most clubs don't have access to their own proprietary fields, but if they do, there are expenses to that field management, you know, insurance, all that kind of stuff. Ref fees, they still got to pay the refs. Equipment, balls, cones, pennies, hurdles, ladders, goals, gets more sophisticated every year, it seems. Sometimes uniforms, I'm sure for the coaches they have to pay. Um, insurance, all sorts of regulatory things around ki coaches and kids. Coaching salaries, which is the big, big one. Like I mentioned, especially if they have their own fields, field management. Um, you know, building or maintaining the, the facilities, as I mentioned. And then league and tournament fees, which may or may not be included as part of the club fees. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, there's very few avenues for a soccer club to pursue um, raising funds to support that that those expenses, right? So. The obvious ones, like I mentioned, there's pl the player fees are, are the probably the primary creating a tournament, which is why every club has a tournament of some sort or multiple, because that brings in that brings in some money to offset the the costs. Um, sponsorships. Most clubs have some sponsorship levels. Again, I'm not sure how much that occurs because right, most most clubs don't have don't have a full-time ad person like going out and hustling trying to find sponsors um uh, same on the fundraising side they they don't have a full-time development officer who can go out and raise money for the club from business and from Right, and and I do think to a certain extent this is large, this is an uncharted area. Um, I don't know how easy, difficult it is to raise fundraising dollars for a sports club that doesn't have some sort of mission, right? Like some sort of higher purpose other than athletics. Um, I do know of one club that is for the inner city that raises all of, its, all of its funds, and that's a little bit, that's different, right? Like that's, the purpose is to get kids off the streets and to play, whereas, and to play soccer, whereas a, you know, 
an affluent a club in an affluent area may just have the you know parents probably just prefer to pay so um so so anyhow that's that's me spouting off a little bit all right so now that we get the costs and understand the costs on parents parent and uh clubs you, you, you know i i also think something that muddies the waters is the thought understanding impression that you know it's a panacea elsewhere right like you go to england or you go to anywhere in europe and look you have all these people who get to play and you know they're not paying or they're paying very little um i i think that's a little bit of a misnomer because you you trade one set of issues for a whole other set of issues, right? There's, right, man, granted, maybe you're not paying. Maybe you're not paying as a, as a, as much as a, as you would here in the States, but you're still, you're still paying something. Most, co most youth coaches are not full-time coaches, right? Which presents a whole other set of issues for the, those, those coaches, right? Um, you can there's only so much you could do out of the you know the you're willing you know your want to to help at some point you have to sort of make your way in life and if you can't do it coaching well then you have to go pursue other avenues right it's just just the 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 reality the reality of that um I, there I, w I would argue that something that nobody considers about is that these these the infrastructure right is 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 basically government largesse or started out to one degree or another you know and and it's not these are not this is facilities that were placed in places by local governments to one degree or another clubs that pooled money a hundred years ago right we've never had such an experience and so to expect now that we're going to have this infrastructure that's going to be supported by some state government you know state governments equally across the board i think is a little unrealistic right like you that's why clubs buy and build their own things is figure out ways to create their own spaces because the you know what are the football teams going to say when a, a local government builds a soccer field or what is a you know what's the baseball guy what are the baseball guys going to say at some point then you have to equally distribute and that just becomes a mess and i don't think there's much interest obviously for for doing something like that just think r reality um i i would i would suggest too that right there's there are some tournaments don't get me wrong um that to go and play in but we have a whole tournament industrial complex in the U.S. where you can go anywhere and play in tournaments on any given weekend. Um, you know, as a ref, I already have announcements for tournaments that are happening this weekend. Um, and because there's 
there's such big fundraisers. I actually know of someone who has built a whole company around doing tournaments and leagues, EDP, um, and, you know, does them you know, almost every weekend creates some other tournament. Why? Because they're so, they're so profitable. So, um, so I think, look, I think the reality is that we substitute one set of problems for another. Like no, nothing is perfect. Do I, do I wish it was cheaper? Yes. Do I think we're going to get it to zero? No. Can we reduce it? Sure. There's a bunch of things that we could do, but that requires buy-in from, from, from the, from the Federation and to a certain extent parents. And, and, and so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that next. This is going to be a long one. So I, I apologize. There's a lot of, a lot of data and a lot of information out there that, um, um, to, to share. So first I do want to jump in. I started this survey, um, and it just presented some interesting data that I'm going to share a bit of it now because it was, I don't know, again, the lack of data to me is surprising. So I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to start asking people and came up with a poll and you can, um, I'll put it down in the link below where you can, if you're, if you're interested, you could, you could apply, you could apply or you can fill it out. It's 10 questions. It's nothing, nothing major. So. So the survey I did. So I, I, I put together and some quick questions, really not with the express purpose. One of my biggest complaints about a, a lot of a, a lot of the discussion around pay to play is that we we, we don't really have I, I think really substantial data that proves or disproves good bad uh, one way or the other. Right, so I, I don't I don't think we have data that says well the pay to play pay to play it might reduce the access but because people can't afford which is completely legit um, but are there players who are being marginalized who would play otherwise and I and I'm not sure about that right because we're talking pay to play about high end level soccer right like the reality is that this club stuff is is the upper end but there's also cheaper cheaper options to play right so there are avenues to play um i mean even if you just played high school right like that's almost nothing and and i get there's other there's other issues right like you know someone mentioned transportation that's a great one i never thought of right like is there is there a transportation issue or again a facility issue and you know if you're in an inner city somewhere where's your nearest soccer field that you could play so um but so i started this thing and so i i, I only it's only 41 people or 42 people who have responded but majority of them were were parents all all of them all but one pay to to play right and what's interesting is you know the there are 
the, I think the majority of people in club fees alone play anywhere between could go as low as nine uh, as a thousand dollars to as much as you know four thousand dollars so there's a good healthy range and that's just the fees right doesn't include hey are you paying for uniforms and you know footwear that's another you know for a majority it's anywhere between 250 and a thousand dollars right and so that's what you're that's what you're paying and in travel i mean travel's the ridiculous one you know people spending as much as fifteen thousand dollars a year in in travel costs which is the which is the big one um you know what what i thought was interesting and because i'm curious right and this is sort of where i want to dive into a little bit more and i'm going to expand this as i go and you know ask more questions and make it more complete and just keep collecting information about half of those a little bit more than half know someone who can't play because of the cost all right and that's an interesting that 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 to me is very interesting because i'd be very curious to explore who are those people who can't play because of cost um yeah not saying they're not right or wrong i'm just um i didn't ex quite honestly i didn't expect it to be that high um so um, I, I, one of the questions I thought was equally interesting was I said, you're paying and you're paying $3,000 a year and all this other expense. Do, do you, do you have other options to play other than paying this amount? And 80%, 81% roughly. 34 of the respondents said that they had other avenues that would cost less, right? Um, um, a, a lot of them talk about high school soccer and local soccer associations. So the Montgomery Travelers, that's sort of one, one of them, our, our local one here. Um, but the ones who... Um, the ones who there there were comments about you know no lower cost options at level of play needed for pathway to college right so they're obviously buying access competition is typically lower quality so have to play up two years or so to get better clubs in northwest ohio do are not good pipelines to ncaa um Um, yeah, and then the high school soccer. So, um, I have asked, I did ask, you know, why, why don't you move your player to a lower cost option? Um, some said it's not, you know, a, a, a long, a, a year long option. Most want to go play, um, um, play in college. Um, the others just commented the lower, it's a lower level of play, right? Like, um, and bigger leagues. I mean, these are the trade-offs you're making, right? In the current model. 
in the current model. So um, most of it comes down to just seems is this the recruiting and where they recruit, which is what I'd said, like the ECNL and the and the MLS Next is just a way to pull players for colleges and whoever to concentrate their their recruiting. So. Um, And and so um, um, and and so I I just think it's an interesting look into those at least those people who have responded right that one they have other options that are cheaper. Two, they look at it as an opportunity to give their their player the most exposure and competitive level. Um, um, and yeah, that there's folks who can't afford to play at these these levels. Those are the four main things. And so, which I think is interesting. Again, you have folks who are willing to pay for a, it's a it's a, almost like a gamble, right? It's a bet. Like, hey, I'm gonna give my kid the best access to play in college, whether they want to or not. It's a different story, but best access for thinking. I don't know why. That's a whole other. I'm not even gonna speculate. I can speculate, but I. I won't. So, um, all right. So I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that's an interesting, some interesting things around that. And like I said, the survey's down below, so feel free to answer some more. But I do want to dive into this. So over time, I, I'm hoping this survey is going to go from 10. It'll just, I'll just keep expanding. Um, again, because I don't, I'm not sure we have a real deep understanding. We have deep thoughts and ideas but we don't have an understanding as to as to some of this stuff um and, and so I'm, I'm always just looking for for that so all right i, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the arguments that are made against pay to play right like um and and i do want to say that a lot of academies you know the MLS ones, obviously. There is there is no pay, there is no pay to play model. Those are effectively free, right? Free, right? So, you know, you you get signed by one of the MLS academies, or you know, I'm sure there's even clubs that have um, their MLS teams. It's, maybe it's not a pay-to-play model. Maybe it's discounted. I don't know because the rest of the club supports that. Um, I'm sure there is. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the you know everyone else, right? Like the, I don't even think it's an eighty-twenty rule, but ninety percent of people who are in the club system end up paying, um, maybe more, ninety-five percent. So I did want to, I did want to throw that out. Uh, one of the big things that everyone talks about are solidarity payments, right? Which is this notion that if you, if a club develops a player and they turn professional, they get a kickback from that professional club for all of the training they've done. Well, right? I think we got a volume issue, right? If 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 we could tomorrow say, hey, solidarity payments um, for the development of professional players right we we probably you know if you're in england you know there's like a thousand players a year that that sign professional contracts 
right? So, so it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But in the in the U.S., you're only churning out sixty professional players a year. Not to mention the general instability of soccer, professional soccer in the U.S., excluding MLS. Right, each club financially anything outside of MLS and even some MLS clubs, I'm sure, are just, you know, teeter for the most part on, you know, between making money and losing money. So solidarity payments would would just be, would just add to the burden. And then I would just add, like, there's nothing that can compel any of these any of these clubs to pay, right? To 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 pay a solidarity payment to to different clubs. Not to mention the size and scale of it would be enormous to have an impact, right? To have an impact, right? Because you're talking about, I don't know. Do the I, I'm sure I could do the math somewhere. If there are, I'm sure I've done the math. Hang on. Okay, I did want to clarify something. There, there are avenues on the higher end too, right? Like where where payer, players don't have to pay, right? So it could be, you know, they're part of those MLS academies, right? Where my understanding is that most of those are free, and and um, and and I'm sure there's other academies out there that, you know, those those players are free and that they're supported by the fees but that everyone else plays who are not on that so 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 there is that component um you know one of the things that the the big time folks who say you know hey we should you know institute solidarity payments which is these clubs you know professional clubs kicking money back to um amateur clubs um, uh, as a form of payment for developing players and the thought is okay now we'll just reduce the cost for those clubs to operate and I first of all I'm sure there's a whole slew of legal issues if the Fed said hey everyone's going to be on the hook for solidarity payments how many lawsuits would they go through because you can't compel company necessarily to do anything unless you could do by the force of law Right. So that that's one thing. And that I don't think clubs are gonna agree to it just because. And then not to mention the just the sheer cost, right? This to me is repl- this is like a, a an exercise in replacing economies, right? So currently you have an economy, a, a youth soccer economy that is billions of dollars that's has been created. So you have to figure out a way if you want to cheapen it just using solidarity payments you have to figure out how to get let's be honest mls and and um and maybe usl i don't know what the limits would be but to pay, replace those billions of dollars with their own billions of dollars and i i just uh, to me that's just unrealistic you know like it, it's just not reality in order to to we would, in order to replicate what was done overseas, we we would have to, again, federal governments, state governments, you know, local governments would have to ha- to be energized and influenced to 
basically fork out money every year to support infrastructure and the different aspects. And that's never going to happen, right? Because let's just say in New Jersey, that works, but maybe in Pennsylvania, it doesn't. So what's Pennsylvania now becomes a wasteland of soccer because no one, right? There's no, no place. There's no funding, right? And, and I, I know I hear people talk about how much money coaches make. I, I don't know. I, there's data on that on there's the annual compensation survey. And I think, you know, 50%, over 50% live under the poverty line, you know, like from a pay standpoint, like they don't make more than 30 grand, right? Like, you know, I got to grab the graphic up here, like, right? So it's not like these folks are making tremendous amounts of money, um, you know, so, um, so again, matter of replacing it, and these are full-time guys, right? Like they're so. I, I just think a matter of replacing it just becomes really, really suspect with solidarity payments. That's again, and I've seen math, and oh, it's reasonable. It's not that you just need to make a commitment. I'm like, it doesn't. World doesn't work that way. And I'm sure MLS would be like, I'm not. We're not going to spend how much? Hundred million? Two hundred million a year just on giving it away to clubs? Like, sorry, that's not the, the business they're in. And can the Fed compel them to do that? I'm not sure they can. So um, what I will say and what I think you could do to reduce cost across the board, right, is – and this this would kill some organizations. Don't Don't be fooled by it, right? Like this would just sort of end some leagues probably and – you know, the first one is, is you make everything, you return everything back to the states, right? So the U.S. Soccer Federation says the states now run, um, now run the, um, now, now run youth soccer, right? And so they're given this sort of autonomy to develop it as they see fit. Um, and part of that, they would have to, uh, you know, they would have to say, all right, the highest achievement that you can reach is the state cup. You right, like that's the biggest. So if you're the champion of New Jersey, you're the champion of New Jersey. Um, and then maybe from there, you could do some sort of interregional. You can have those regional tournaments to determine, okay, who's the best of the best, right? Right now, you have regional leagues that compete national that end up competing nationally and and if you dispel that you reduce a lot of the expense cost right or the travel cost um and and then i would say you know I, and i'm not sure how to do this like you just reduce the number of tournaments that are out there i, I probably think you can't do that but you know you can still travel for tournaments go to a tournament showcase this showcase that but the way it works now you're, you know, at least up here, you're up and down, you know, where I'm at, you're up and down the East Coast. It's funny, nothing ever seems to be good enough in your home state. So you end up traveling to wherever for 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 a tournament. So um, I, I think there's ways to reduce it on the periphery and without sort of destroying a, 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 
something that we've had functionally. What I think the big what what I think the big reason for all of this, quite frankly, and it, it generally pops up, is when you see failure. When you see failure at the men's national team or the women's national team, failure to to win or failure to advance or failure to this like and, and then be reminded who you failed to you know oh, you got you got beat by England or you get beat by France and oh look how great their model is they you know and I think a lot of that drives that and I just that to me is a that's there's a lot more fundamental issues don't get me wrong I don't want to pay but more fundamental issues that I don't think we take into consideration when we do that right to me, forget, the model is not the problem. To me, is how we develop our players, if we develop them at all. Right? That, that to me, if you're going to choose two things to combat, pay to play or player development, to, to me, the, the, choice, the choice is easy, right? You end up, you, hey, how are we developing? What are we focused in on? Right? And, and, is there have have we seen the end of the big fast strong model of player development right that's that's where i think our our focus is so all right so i hope you enjoyed this uh episode of injured time on pay to play this is by no means i would for anyone who's watching who i would have no i would love to do like a more of a round table of uh, folks who agree or disagree just um, you know, you know what they say about opinions. So, um, but just to give some perspective, some thought, and um, hopefully this was enlightening to you. Um, from Simple Coach HQ and Jackie, who is still out. Um, greetings to you all. Hope you're enjoying the the start of um, soon to be Division Three soccer, um, the soccer season, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon.